the people of sake actually brought me into sake. Back in 1988, this place was actually in Ginza on the main drag. At first it was kind of soy sauce, it was miso. To the point where it actually changed my life. New Year's Day 1989. Uh, not just sake as a beverage, but all the culture and history. And Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Sake on Air, the world's first and only podcast dedicated to exploring and expanding the dialogue around Japan's iconic beverages, sake, shochu, and awamori, recorded here at the Japan Sake and Shochu Information Center in the heart of Tokyo. My name is Christopher Pellegrini, and I am joined today by your regular host and my esteemed friends. To my left is Sebastian Lemoine. Good evening, Chris. Good evening, Sebastian. Good to see you again. Good to see you again. And it was like a 30 minute gap, but that's, you know. And seated in the middle or next to Sebastian is Marie Nagata. How you doing? Good, how are you? I'm hanging in there. I'm looking forward to this episode in particular. As am I. And last but not least is Chris Hughes. Hello. How you doing? I'm fine, thanks. Yeah. We're here to sip a little bit of one of my favorite shochu right now. This is Ichibanbashi, which refers to the overpass that used to go over the, the distillery grounds down in Amami Oshima. And this is a lovely, rich, very, very caramelly molasses and deep kokuto jochu. I'd like to say a cheers right here. Cheers. There you go. Cheers. To get us off on the right foot. And this could definitely be someone's bridge into into shochu or perhaps a different dimension of shochu that you've never explored before. This aroma is incredible. It is, isn't it? It's a gateway drug. Uh, today we're going to be bringing shochu back into the fold, giving it some love. And I'm very excited about this as you can plainly see and hear. And our goals today, of course, are to remind our listeners all around the world about the diversity and the enjoyment possible in the shochu category. And also to kind of bring everybody up to speed on what's going on in the industry. What's, what's new in shochu land? And I think we can start by just going around the horn. Anything new in, in your experiences, in your day-to-day uh, -day life vis-a-vis -vis shochu, awamori as well? What have you noticed? What are you curious about? What questions do you have? I was just, um, you know, having a look through generally through the kind of the, the news uh, to see what kind of new products are out there. And I see a, a lot of very diverse um, shochu, well, not just shochu, liqueur, uh, liqueurs as well. Um, I see a lot of diverse products popping up. Um, it seems that we're really kind of exploring new depths in shochu. And like, for example, I found this one called Gosai. Mm. Right, which right. I think is supposed to be five different types of sweet potato. Uh, the Japanese gosai, uh, the, it's written with the Chinese characters for, for the number five and color. So right. it's like the five colors. So I assume it's referring to the different colors of sweet potato. How many different colors of sweet potato are there out there? That's what sort of colors question. are there? Yeah, I mean, I know red. Uh -huh. You're right. red and kind of, you know, like your, your common kind of brown, orangey color. And then you have like purple as well, I think, right? Yeah, there's a pretty wide yeah. spectrum going all the way. The, you know, the flesh being nearly as white as this paper that I'm holding oh, wow. all the way to this, the rubiest, garnetest, you know, purple you can imagine and everything in between. And you get a lot of orange sweet potatoes are really all the rage right now. And they have a lot of beta carotene in them and they create very, very fragrant uh, mashes that are that you can do a lot with. Um, there's a lot of experimentation, as you say, right now, and it's spring, so there's a lot of new spring products being released, so it's quite exciting. I was just down in Kyushu uh, uh, not 
not even, no, not long ago. And everywhere I went, people were saying, oh, did you try the new, oh, did you try this? And I'm like, geez, this is going to be like six nights of my life figuring <laughs> this new stuff out. But these new products, are they related to, to seasons or what's, what's, how do you, what's the link with the seasons in the short world? So some of them actually take on a little bit of a Shinshu quality. They've only been aged for a few months and they are lightly filtered in some cases. And, you know, it's almost like a, a second Shinshu season. I, I, I'm not everyone. There are other places that are capitalizing on the Sakura and there's a lot of pink labels right now. There's mm -hmm. a lot of petals. So the occasion is driving the taste or yep, the flavor. There is. Shinshu being new sake, right? The newly exactly, brewed, yes. Sorry, newly the brewed newly alcohol. Released. I mean, we, we, it's a term we use in the sake world. Right. Or you have it in the shochu world sure. as well. Yeah, and it's starting to become more of a thing. Yeah. And any chance people have a, to release something new, they're, they're taking that opportunity, it seems. And there are a lot of new products. You only have to check shochu on Instagram, the hashtag, and you'll just see, you'll see things that nobody else has seen. You know, if you check every week, you'll be like, oh, this just came out. Oh, that came out. And everybody's going to be looking for it. Another big one when I was down south was one made by Yamato Zakura, Zakura and it's called Imojizo. And it's, a, it's in little 500 milliliter bottles, and it's got this great story that's related to the potato saint who brought uh, the, uh, the sweet potatoes. The jizo, right? yeah, yeah, the right. little gods. If you yeah. go to the temple, you go to, the go to a shrine, you exactly. see these like little, like, it's okay to call them statues. I guess so. They yeah. are statues, yes. They're quite scary, aren't they? A little, little statue with red hats on, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> and they're kind of looking at you as you come in up there. Well, he's a, apparently it was a guy who brought sweet potatoes back to Satsuma. It was like a 300-kilometer journey and, you know, saved people from famine. Oh. And then they, and then he became a god after death. He became Imojizo. Oh. And so uh, Yamato Zakura put out this little 500-milliliter bottle with this really nice aged sweet potato shochu and... That was all the rage. There was very limited supply. Everybody was scrambling to get their hands on it. There's a lot of this going on now. It's like every week. How about you? What's new in your shochu What's journey? What's new in my shochu world? Pretty much everything is new, um, if I may say so. Um, I've gotten into the shochu game quite late. I don't know. Like I was just never really super interested in shochu. I kind of always knew it was, you know, it was there. But um, for the longest time, I guess, sake had been like my primary and exclusive focus. So mm -hmm. I was like, okay, shochu just kind of in my peripheral vision. And I always had this misconception that shochu was extremely high proof, very harsh. You had to cut it with something for it to be palatable, mm -hmm. uh, which is not the case. And um, I actually got into shochu uh, maybe just about a year ago because I came across this like incredible shochu, uh, which was made of corn, oh. which I guess is quite rare, right? Most shochu are made either by sweet potatoes or some variety of sweet potatoes, barley, or on the off chance rice. And then, Those are the major three. Yep. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, anyway, just corn shochu was amazing. Just like kind of light toasted, kind of sweet, but not overpowering. But 
Unfortunately, yeah. I don't remember exactly what it was that I had. Um, I don't Why know. did you have a lot of it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it was so good. We drank a lot of it. And um, that's how, kind how, of how, how I got into the shochu world. That's, so that's, that's good. We got to go find that. Well, you got you to gotta find <laughs> it again and then make sure that you text me a clear picture this time. Right. Not just... Chris, I'm having show chair. Chris, delicious. How were you drinking it? How were you drinking this corn shochu? Um, I started off with tomorokoshi ochawari. Oh. So, what, what would that be in English? Uh, corn tea? Cut with tea? Corn, corn, corn shochu. Corn shochu cut with corn tea? Is corn tea a oh, thing? Oh, it's corn tea. It's corn tea. Oh, you tea. can make tea from anything. I mean, yeah, yes, you can. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like beautiful, like slightly just, yeah, like toasty, mm-hmm. sweet. Mm-hmm. So it imagine. was corn shochu cut with corn tea. And then I tried it with on the rocks and probably a couple other preparations. <laughs> and mainlined it straight into your <laughs> into your artery. Well, yeah, you were you were doing well that evening, I remember. Mm. Yeah. I kn- but Eating yeah, next time. Eating popcorns. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, corn six different ways. I like yeah. that. I like that. Well, that sounds that sounds that sounds like a great experience. Thank you for sharing that, <laughs> Sebastian. Well, actually, what I want to share is not an experience about um, a taste or anything, but 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 a design. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the design of the uh, SG Shochu uh, labels. Oh, okay. The S- Oh, the SG, the new ones. Yeah. All right. Because I, I really think that um, they're, they're really nice and, and beautiful and um, elevate, uh, for me, the image of, uh, of, of shochu. And, and another thing which is very important toward a foreign audience is they're using, in, I mean, in Romaji, so in English characters, mm-hmm. what it is in Japanese. Yeah, so it's instead of, instead of writing sweet potato, they're actually just writing I-M-O, imo, yeah. On, yeah. in English. Yeah. on the label which is a very bold decision and a very helpful decision i would say because they're going to educate a lot of people and we, we're actually going to talk about the sg i was planning to talk about it later wow. but that's a great that's a yeah that's a very recent very topical new trio of brands that came out at the end of february yeah the sg shochu trio and yeah i'd like i think we need to definitely come back to that uh this is a really interesting time for sh- the shochu, awamori, kokushu in general, sake as well, because there's so much momentum right now. I mean, as Chris said, we've got new brands coming out. Um, as Marie said, we've got, you know, there are, there's so much diversity. There's a lot of hooks out there, a lot of ways to get involved. And as Sebastian said, there's, there's new players coming in from all directions, doing really, really exciting things. And... I think it's a great time to be paying attention to this space. I think that we're going to finally find people overseas starting to really start to care. I mean, they may actually start asking the the right questions and they may start forcing, they may start dragging more export opportunities out of Japan, Um, you know, basically coming over here and knocking on doors and setting up deals that will you know, just make the category more widely available, which I, I think would be fantastic. Um, I want to talk a little bit about de- developments in the industry in general. And I think we should start with the government and we'll start with on the prefectural level. Now, I know that in the in the sake world, in the Nihonshu world, which all of you are experts in, there is 
you know, regional, there are regional guilds, there's regional teams, and they do often, uh, sometimes, they work together. They share resources, right? They do these, they do these sort of things. Yeah. Do you, are there examples of, of, you know, taking a trip together overseas, um, a, a lot, group of, a, a lot, lot of them? Yeah, yeah. When I, when I was working in London, a lot of the breweries used to come over in a kind of a group, and, and it was probably, I was told it's probably the only time that as breweries, they really kind of work together. Um, and it would be all organized by the regional uh, prefectural uh, yeah. kumiai. Okay. Yeah. Would you say that there are certain prefectures that are more a- active than others? Yeah. I would I just say Miyagi. Miyagi comes oh, to mind. <laughs> yeah. Niigata, I would agree. Niigata kind of chairs them all, doesn't it? Right. Really? They share like research facilities and, you know, whenever they have a breakthrough in finding like a better way to keep their moromi healthy and clean, they'll share that throughout the network of breweries mm. throughout the, the pre- prefecture or the state so that everyone can kind of rise up Benefit to the bar. Benefit from that discovery. Yeah. Okay. And then therefore, you know, um, benefiting the brand, the prefectural brand, mm-hmm. for example, in this case, Niigata. Mm. Yeah. Yamagata is the same story, I'd say. Ah, right. Yeah, mm. Yamagata with their yeah. GI. Yeah. yeah, the GI and, and before the GI, what you exactly described. So uh, yeah, cooperation between uh, breweries about the process, about the... How to improve? Yes, yeah. and, and Saga. Saga, Saga is huge. Yeah. Sure, they've done so much work together on tourism. Yeah, I'm hearing all these things, and just as a proponent for the show to an Aomori industry, I'm just salivating, thinking about, oh man, this is so. Just imagining this happening in different prefectures. Now, naturally, the Shochu industry is is headquartered in Kyushu. Aomori is from Okinawa, so it's a pretty geographically semi-compact part of Japan, but we, we as of yet don't have that type of cooperation, you know, and, and like the sake makers domestically, they fight like cats in a bag, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're very competitive. They often won't do things to help themselves if it's going to help their competitor, you know, it's that type of thing, but there are, there are hints of cooperation, which is really good to see. And I think I have to, I have to give props to one prefecture in particular, and that's Miyazaki. Miyazaki has the best outfit running in terms of on the Jetro level, on the on the government cultural level, in terms of they have a, a periodic shochu tasting with all Miyazaki makers called shochu nonjorno, which they do all across the country. And it's fantastic. And I was telling Sebastian before, I went to a really good, and actually Imara-san was there too. It was, uh, it was in January. It was in Ginza. It was this really nice bar up on like the, the 10th, 11th, 12th floor of some nice building. And they had a bunch of makers from Miyazaki and they paired each one of them with a famous bartender. And then they did shifts and there were like five makers behind this beautiful bar that's in front of these huge windows with the, you know, and, and people were lining up to try these signature cocktails mm-hmm. and the toji was there or the rep was there to talk about it. It was fantastic, and it put a lot of the other prefectures to shame. And Miyazaki has a, not a huge number of distilleries, but some of the biggest distilleries in the country. Oh. They pull in a lot of revenue, and they have money to move around a so little bit. So it's like the Hyogo, like the Hyogo is that what of it the is? Shochu world. Perhaps. Okay, yeah. Yeah, they just have, they have more resources at their disposal. Yeah. Or, or yeah. maybe the money comes from... Uh, the industry. I'm not very I familiar did, yes. with the no. Miyazaki economy well. in particular. But sure. Mm. I mean, Miyazaki is Kurokirishima, mm. which is the number one selling shochu in the country. 
And then it might be number three, Unkai Soba Shochu. So they've got two out of the top three, or maybe it's two out of the top four, selling shochu in the country. Or two out of the top five. I, don't yes. quote me on that. But the, the amount of times I've gone into an izakaya and that's I've seen that on the shelf. Sure. Or Kirishima or the or the other koji version they have as well. Yeah, they and, have a white koji. They have a, they have a red koji, which red sells for a little bit more. Yeah. Yep. And I'm sure that they are their dues, just their dues into the kumiai alone would yeah. be enough to send posses of of distilleries all around the world. Now that's not happening at any pace, but there is a group of young distilleries who have been going to New York City and also to California for the last maybe four or five years annually to go and do events every night and to well they've all signed on with distributors now so it was beneficial in that sense yeah. the question I want to ask you coming back to your Ginza event yes well it was not yours but uh, yes, no I, I was just I was drinking behind the scenes by, by, you, you actually give me part of the answer who was there in right. terms of um, I mean it's interesting because uh, Shochu had this image of a drink for, for old men uh-huh. um, we always look at what young people are doing sure. because we think they are the future of Nihonshu uh, the future of Shochu and Awamori mm-hmm. of course of course mm-hmm. and so um, what kind of crowd Great. could you see yeah. I wouldn't say there were any college kids there and I would say the 20 something set well, there weren't so many people in their 20s I think but 30s, 40s, 50s that was everybody mm. and it was a lot of couples there were a lot of uh, show, hardcore shochu fans, like mm-hmm. hard, you know, everybody who's just into the stuff and shows up at all of the events. What about foreigners in Ginza? Um, I was there. Yeah. <laughs> Representing you a team of one. You know, it, it was it was more of a. It really was more of a. There was, was nothing about it that was packaged yeah. for a non-Japanese clientele. It's, it's kind of like those department st- sake-themed department store events that they run in Tokyo, where, right. again, the brewers get behind the bar and actually serve the sake together with the bartender or whatever. Yep. But that FCCJ event mm-hmm. that you do every year, sure. that you invite me to, uh-huh. uh, but that, that's, that, I see quite a few uh, foreigners there, and it seems to be a younger uh, demographic sure. on the whole, yeah. I think. Yeah, and we do, we do a lot of work to target that demographic and we go straight to consulates and and invite their entire staff um their expat staff just to get people from all over the world in there and that's definitely our goal but at, at that particular event in january that certainly wasn't the mo they right. were just yeah. kind of catering to fans of these distilleries yeah. and it worked i mean they came out of the woodwork it was really really well done and so I, I have to take my hat off to Miyazaki. Saga Ken, as you said as well, Saga Prefecture, which is more heavily a Nihonshu prefecture. Yeah, yeah. It's in northern Kyushu. Uh, my colleague Stephen Lyman was just recently invited there to do a tour, and they, they drove him around to like five different distilleries in a day mm-hmm. and just to do PR and, and hoping that you know we would take some of those products and run with them. And so I, I definitely am impressed with what they're doing. I hope the other distilleries will kind of follow their lead. Miyazaki is leading mm. the pack right well, now. What? It doesn't have a particular GI. You they, have, yeah, three GIs in, uh, in Shochu. That's right. There is no Miyazaki GI. Miyazaki tends to do a bunch of things well. Yeah. They, do, they do sweet potato very well. They do, uh, you know, they do uh, goma. You know, they do buckwheat. They do soba jochu very well. They do mugi well as well, mm. you know. Yeah. By they, the way, GI, I mean geographic indication. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. GI, not a general, general <laughs> infantry. Um, it's, it's, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, it's, Miyazaki is a force. They're the thanks mostly to Kuro Kirishima. They they are the biggest shipper of shochu on an annual basis. Right, it's like realize. a you know a pantry name. Like yeah. anyone who don't even drink shochu normally, Kuro they know Kuro Kirishima. Yes, Kuro Kirishima. It's just something yes. that yeah. you can yeah. order at any izakaya. Yeah. And even I know any convenience <laughs> yeah. store or in a convenience everybody store, everybody carries it. They have you know, budget friendly. Yeah, it is. It is, and it's good. It's very good. It's good stuff. Yeah. But I did not know till now that they were made in Miyazaki. No, right, because it's Kirishima, no. right, which is Kagoshima. Right. Yeah. So I thought Kagoshima was number one. Yeah, yeah, me too. I didn't too. realize Miyazaki they, was such a big. You know, big fish. this is a common misunderstanding. It's a very common misunderstanding, and there's a lot. There's a little bit of resentment surrounding this because you know people are feeling like. Uh, brand Kagoshima sort of being stolen there. Mm. But so, like, whatever. can we back things up a bit? Mm-hmm. Um, in my limited shoju understanding and knowledge, I know that there are two types of shoju: sure. otsu and ko otsu, right? right. Um, so one's kind of like I guess you would say more craft shoju, and the other one's kind of like more plain, um, like a mixer shoju. Mm-hmm. In terms of sales and volume, what? Is the percentage like? Is the plain shochu still winning by a landslide, or what's Great the landscape question. like? The Honkak shochu tends to outsell Korui about, I would say it's probably fifty-seven percent to forty-three percent or thereabouts. It fluctuates a little bit. It's slowly and it slowly keeps moving in the Honkaku direction, meaning it's right. moving more towards the traditional. Is selling more and more. the The percentage is creeping more in Honkaku's favor every year. Mm. Um, that's not to say that people are drinking more Honkak shochu, just like almost every other drink in this country, sales are flatlining or like this. So same same disease. Mm-hmm. But it is outselling Korui. So yeah, um, Korui, of course, is the multiply distilled shochu that really doesn't taste like anything other than watered-down ethanol and is used as a low ABV cocktail backbone, basically. But... Um, you know, the Honkaku stuff, the traditional stuff, the single distilled stuff, that's anytime I talk about shochu, that's what I'm referring to. Mm. And especially on this on this show, we're really talking about Do we that. do we cover that in the Shochu one oh one? I'm not sure. So can we just like clarify that? By law, mm-hmm. Honkaku or Otsu Otsurui Shochu. Yeah. So Honkaku Shochu, Otsurui Shochu, there's a defined list of ingredients that can be used and you can make it with those ingredients and their koji. Korui shochu, the more modern type of shochu made in a in a patent still or a column still, whatever you want to call it, is basically pretty much any source of glucose is fine, and then you can just use processed enzymes, lab isolated enzymes to mm. that suffices as koji. There isn't much point actually spending money actually using a really expensive ingredient or a lot of an ingredient because you're just gonna no you're just gonna you're just gonna basically boil it off anyway or distill it off anyway. You <laughs> exactly. don't have any of that left over. So right. koji so shochu is made from whatever the cheapest starch sources. Right. It might be tapioca. It could be uh, you know low quality potatoes. Mm. It might be cane. Cane, yeah. yeah, yeah cane is quite common. An obvious one. It's too much like rum, then, isn't it? In that, in that sense, maybe. Yeah, I, except yeah. for that, it has no flavor. Yeah, it has right. no flavor. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's almost as if it's meant to not have any flavor by design. Yeah. Oh, right? absolutely. Absolutely. So, getting drunk. Um, anyways, I to to bring it back to our uh, our discussion of of developments in Kyushu. Another significant thing is is the preponderance of gin, which is. <laughs> Freaking everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
how many new gins came out in the last 12 months? I, I think I could, I could list them for until tomorrow. Some are, some are great. Some are, there's a lot of citrusy stuff going on. Mm. There's yeah. a lot of disappearing yeah. juniper. I guess we could say. Yes. Where the heck did the juniper go? Yeah. Well, I'm kind of happy about that because I never liked the juniper <laughs> in general. But uh, I'm sorry. Go on. No, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of people that agree with you. Yeah. Uh, but then there's also some interesting stuff. Mm. Um, one thing that came out recently, I guess it was the end of last year, by Wakashio in Kagoshima Prefecture is something called Shibushi Jin. Hmm. And it's made without any botanicals other than s- juniper. And sweet potato shochu. And it's really good. <laughs> so wow. I was really surprised. Um, they hit one out of the park with that. And it's impossible to get your hands on, of course. How, how much of a role does the sweet potato shochu play in that? And is it obvious? Like, is it is it clear when someone's, you know, when you're drinking that? Oh, there's that sweet potato shochu. Like, what was the point of using the sweet potato shochu in the first place? Because like surplus stock or whatever, or? No, that's a, but that's a really interesting point because actually most places, sweet potato shochu makers have resisted using sweet potato shochu because it's really hard to get it to play nicely with the botanicals. You got to be a master mixologist, a max, master blender for that. And most folks are just like, yeah, I'm not even going to try. We're going to use rice. And so a couple of places, I think the first one to have some success with it was Kyoya in Miyazaki. And they created uh, Yuzujin. Mm. And Yuzujin, of course, has a, you know, they use a number of citrus fruits from Miyazaki. And it's really, it's got this really interesting sancho pepper kind of spine to it, which is nice and nice, nice and tingly. It really plays well with the citrus. And you can still get a little bit of the koji, you know, the, the emo koji type of, of flavor in there, mm. that depth. And then, of course, you also get a little bit of the, the juniper as well. Mm. It's a really interesting drink uh, that's very difficult to make. And I think Wakashio wanted to use emo jochu because it's hard. Oh, so they went out of their way to do it. Yeah, they didn't take the easy route. Oh, they didn't right. double distill it. You know, you double distill it, then you're going to strip away a lot of the, the aromas and flavors. They went with their regular, they went with four different emo jochu and they blended them. There was no tradition of uh, flavored shochu, were there? Not really. Mm. Uh, un- until after you pour it in, before pouring it in a glass? Yeah, absolutely before, before not. pouring it, yeah. No. Mm. So when we say gin in the context of shochu makers, is it like botanical infused shochu or do they do something fundamentally different in the in the course of production there's a there's a several different ways of doing it a lot of it is um, essentially you're you're steeping or you're macerating in the fermentation for a certain amount of time and they do it all separately and then they they some places distill separately and then blend those other places distill all of that together Mm. other places I, I know of one place that I just visited that adds the juniper to the still. And I was like, huh? That sounds messy. And they, they were, <laughs> they're like, well, that's how we do it. And it's pretty good. You know, it's, it's, there's a variety of techniques that are being developed and it's selling. So I think we're going to see more of it. Uh, then we move on, moving into more established territory for this country and it's the whiskey. And I, you, you were saying before that 
who's making whiskey now in in the Nihonshu world? Were you saying that? Oh, Hakai-san. Hakai-san. Where is that? It's in Niigata. Hakai-san is in Niigata. Where's their whiskey? Uh, the, the distillery itself is in Hokkaido. Hokkaido. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. That that's we get and more of a Scottish good. kind of Scottish. Yes, I mean that's the the, yeah. the reason why same Nika, latitude, yeah. same latitude. Nika right? started there yeah. in the first place. Yeah. yeah. And you know they're going to do it well. It's going to take them oh, a few yeah. years, I mean, but they're oh, going to have the money to do it well. They have the love for the good products. So. Yeah, yeah, right. And same thing is popping up all over Kyushu. We, you may have heard of Komasa. Uh, they mm -hmm. have they started their uh, Kanosuke is the name of the distillery. It's a completely separate whiskey distillery from their normal sweet potato shochu operations. They've been they've been in operation for at least two years now. Because I know they've had two festivals to celebrate their kind of new pot, come you know their new pot whiskey, which means that they probably will have barrel product within a year or two. You know, very young. Very young, yeah. But it, I, it's gonna be good. Well, I think. What is the motivation for this move into the into the whiskey realm for, for shochu? That's a great because... question, and I would love to. I mean, I think it's I think it's just it's akin to you know why do why do Seishu makers make kastori shochu, right? It's just like, True. well, some people probably are going to like it. And sometimes they can repurpose that kastori shochu all within in their anime, sake product or in line as well. Yeah, so you say, like yeah, as a yeah. part of their aruten. Yeah, I see. Instead yeah. of sourcing a you know a cheaper, say, sugarcane-made spirits from outside of the brewery, they can do it all more sort of within their own That's ecosystem. Right. So this That's is... a new thing, though, isn't Yeah, it? it's a new, a new trend, thing. especially among like the more kind of boutique... Uh, yeah. crafty sake breweries but and um, it makes good umeshu it makes a great mm. base for an umeshu uh, yeah it slightly does, more actually. expensive umeshu but right. it makes a great base for an umeshu yeah so the to to bring it back to whiskey the komasa is doing their thing still kuroki kuroki honten over in miyazaki i keep saying miyazaki right um <laughs> kuroki is famous for um hyakunen no kodoku have you oh, heard of that yeah, brand yeah, yeah. before i know that, I know that it, it's a brand that's kind of started in the 80s uh one of the first really well-known barrel-aged barley shochus mm. and it's it sells for a premium still to this day so they make those they just opened their own dedicated whiskey facility so we're going to be hearing about whiskey from kuroki soon which is cool i love the name of that it's a hundred years of hundred years of solitude solitude yep. yeah it's so interesting that here in Japan and, and amongst um, shochu makers, we're seeing like a reverse trend. Everywhere else, we have, you know, newly starting whiskey distilleries trying to kind of um, supplement their cash flow whilst they wait for mm -hmm. um, the barrel age mm -hmm. by producing gin or other types of spirit. But here we have well-established shochu makers trying out for something a bit more long-term. Yep, um, right. Do you think a lot of them, like, do you think this is coming from the big whis Japanese whiskey bandwagon or? I think there's definitely that. As, as many of our listeners will know, there's not really any age statement ja Japanese whiskey that's available anymore. And... So tier, there's tier. certainly opportunities there, yeah. So they, they do sense an opportunity, absolutely. And they also feel like, hey, this is something that we can probably do reasonably well because mm -hmm. we have the know-how for making spirits. Um, and many of these makers already work with barley anyway. Now, will they ever be called? You can't, you can't obviously, you can't just take a, a Japanese barley shochu, barrel age it, and call it a whiskey in Japan that the you know Nika and Suntory will come and chop your head off, right? And the gov the tax man would never allow it either. 
but uh, you know they're going to be able to, I think, compete by actually conforming to the Japanese standards of Japanese whiskey. It'll take them a few years, but I've tasted some of the new pot whiskey at some of these places, and it's way better than it needs to be. So, That's promising. Yeah, they're 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 not striking out, and they're only going to get better. So I think. And they're, they're doing it by the letter of Japanese whiskey law, too, which is important for purists, of course. So their demographic is whiskey lovers, not, not shochi lovers, nope. perhaps. They are going after a piece of the whiskey pie. How, how is the industry right now, shochu, the shochu industry? The shochu industry has been having a hard time. Um, it's losing. Shipments are down maybe a, percent, a point or two points every year and have been somewhere dropping in that range for the last several years. It's it's just you've got fewer young people who are who are drinking like mm. their parents' generation did, and then so it's a it's uh, the the writing's on the wall, and I think a lot of lot of uh, subcategories of the alcohol industry are dealing with this yeah. domestically, and it's 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 a struggle. Um, the small the smallest places are doing okay because they they've got their their target local market and they can sell it's the medium guys mm. that don't have the economies of scale and they're struggling the big guys are going to have the the people power the the financial resources to build new markets educate new com- consumers but it's the it's the middle folks who are just getting squeezed right now so it's it's i don't want to say it's dire but it's not happy do you think there's a trickle down effect when we talk about middle like medium-sized guys, like mm-hmm. for example, you know, novice shochu drinkers like myself would go out, come across Kurokirishima, mm-hmm. and then realize, oh, you know, shochu can be pretty cool, and then start to dig in. Maybe I think, that- I think absolutely. I mean, much like Freshenet is a great gateway drug for kava, you know, um, Kurokiri is very helpful because it's not only is it a sweet potato shochu, but it's a kuro koji sweet potato shochu, yeah. a black koji, which tends to be earthy and you can use the word pungent, funky. And, and it, but in the kuro kirishima form factor, it's really balanced and it's easy for most people to try it either mizuari on the rocks and say, wow, that's not what I expected at all. I could have another no, one of those. No, it's actually really clean. Yep. And yeah. like kind of a floral nose as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's definitely not the kind of dusty sort of earthy imojochu that I had in mind. Yeah, it's it's a good way to introduce people to that White, white and black side by side is like a really good sure. first introduction into shochu. Is yep. If you can get them both. Absolutely. It's hard to get hold of both of them. Get, or the red one as well. All three of the them. Red, yeah. yeah, if you can get them side by side, that's a great introduction to yeah. some of the diversity in the sweet potato segment. They're available overseas. Yep. I mean, yes, I, they I are. They are import them into the UK. Um, what I, one thing I was going to say is that there are a lot of shochu makers I've seen, uh, like the ones that come to the event that we talked about earlier in the FCCJ, um, that are making lower alcohol uh, shochus. So this seems to be a way that perhaps they can gateway to the younger audience. You know, the younger audience that isn't drinking alcohol over twenty, obviously over the legal age of drinking, obviously, sure, sure. but not drinking alcohol perhaps because it's too strong or whatever. Um, that seems to be one way that can, they are can, definitely looking for a celebratory in a wine glass type of kampai drink. Mm. Absolutely. That can be chilled. Yeah. So some of those, uh, you know, 12%, 14, 15% shochu, emo jochu even that are appearing they're, they're Even, even when chilled, they still have a bit of a, 
uh, nose to them, they're yeah. still very identifiable as a, oh, that's a that's sweet potato. Yeah. What kind of sweet potato is that? that? I think I had a 15% one. I yeah. remember that. That yeah. was better than I expected. Well, one thing I will say about the low alcohol shochu is I feel, and this might sound strange, slightly contradictory, but I feel they present the alcohol to you a bit more on, on the palate, right? Because of the way they're made, they're not made like a fermented beverage, so they don't integrate that alcohol as well as a fermented beverage might. So although it's lower alcohol, you can taste more of the alcohol on the mid palate, right? So where with, whereas with the higher alcohol shochu, the, the alcohol tends to come at the end, like mm -hmm. a little burn at the end. Mm -hmm. You get it more in the mid palate. If you don't like the taste of alcohol, it can be a bit of... You know, I, 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 I know exactly what you're talking about. I would say that that's a, that's a mistake on the distillery's part in terms of where they cut, which cut of the, of the hearts they're using. And they, they'll make certain decisions like we're going to use the end of the, or we're going to use this later half of the heart and so it's a special like a completely unique drink we're not just taking our normal brand and diluting it down five more percent we're actually taking a different cut from the oh, distillate I run see, I see, I see. sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't um, sometimes you need to just add a little bit of water to it to get it to kind of calm down harusame which is a type of awamori they recently did maybe this it might it's more than a year ago now but it's a I think it was a 20% and they took a kind of a little bit more on the early side of the hearts of the distil distillate run and it was so good. And he just like hit a home run with that one. And he's good normally, but that was like, whoa, you killed it with this. And he keeps it chilled all the time. And then at, at events, you can't get your hands on it, but unless you go there, right? And then he pours it chilled in a, in a glass and you're like, that's, that's fascinating. That's really good. I would definitely... I want to cheers with this. This is good. Um, so I think it. I think it's still early days on these on these lower alcohol iterations. And you're right. They gotta get it right. If they don't get it right, then it, it's gonna. It's not gonna entice anyone. Next mixology. What you got? Well, I mean, we can talk about um, Brewdog again. Oh, the Brewdog. Ah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You, yeah. 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 The the what is it? Inugami. 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 Okay, yeah. So um, dog god, right? The dog god. The, the dog god. Yeah. Or the dog bite, because you can use... I thought it was... <laughs> no, I thought it was bite as well. Dog bite. Right. So it's a play on the hair the hair of the dog that oh, bit you? Oh, I see. Is it that? Yeah, I don't like know, but that's... that's no, I, find it, I find it funny. <laughs> so I have to... I can't take credit for this. Someone... Uh, the, the great... Um, Natsuki Kikuya, I right. think it was her, she shared it on Facebook and that's the first time I saw this. Yeah, it was kind of, I think she was just a bit bemused perhaps that why Brewdog were releasing this product and calling it a shochu, which they were, right? So that perhaps that's where we should start because it's not made with koji. It's not, yeah, it's and not. I don't know, it's not. In fact, it's not made with any products which are Japanese, well, perhaps rice. I don't think it's made with any other Japanese products. It's like ginger and some other kind of spices or herbs or something. I mean, the, the ingredient list does not inspire Japanese-ness. Okay? But it is a spirit. It is a spirit. So this is the question, my question to you. And uh -huh. I know it's not an easy one to answer. And okay. we got into quite a bit of a debate on that Facebook post. Yeah. Of, you know, um, I think it's not quite as easy just to say this is not a shochu. Right, mm -hmm. because you have different definitions of shochu, sure. and as we were discussed before, legally you don't have to use koji to make korui shochu, right? That's right. So could it not be korui shochu? Mm -hmm. And if not, why not? What, what's your what's your opinion? What's your feeling about this, Chris? Is this a positive thing or a, a negative thing? You know, that's that is a really, really that's a loaded question right there. Um, I would say at first blush that the fact that the word shochu is using being used by a massive company like BrewDog is probably a plus. 
I, I mean, it's getting people to Google. It's just like when Coca-Cola, you know, they made those three chew highs. Do you remember? They, they're available now up here even. They were oh, popular oh, yeah. enough down in Kyushu that now you can get these these chew highs. It's the the first time Coca-Cola has ever offered a product in the world that includes alcohol, alcohol and, yes. in, and the base is shochu. And there's a, what is it, a 3%, a 5%, and a 7% or something like that? And they're not bad. You know, they're pretty good. And you can get them in Tokyo. They were originally only in Kyushu until oh. last year. Mm. Is it like the series of blue cans? Yeah, with like the with, with the, the apron. apron? Yes, yes, yes. Even I've had it. Yeah, they're everywhere now. That's a Coca-Cola product. <laughs> it contains Coca-Cola. No, no, no. no. Oh, okay. No, no, no. It doesn't. Okay. It's a, it's a Coca-Cola. It's made by Coca-Cola. It's made uh, by Coca-Cola. It's their only alcoholic beverage. They missed a beverage. trick there, didn't they? They should have put Coca-Cola in there. Now it kind of makes sense because it's like soda pop almost. Uh, like you can hardly taste the alcohol, at least in the lower range, yeah. lower alcohol ones. Yeah, I know right. they have like one kind of like superpower, higher proof one. Yeah. But, and it's kind of like, um, it reminds me of CC Lemon, which is <laughs> like a Japanese no kind of yes. like a Sprite sort yeah, of right. a, a lemony soda. So a chuhai, unless if listeners don't know, is basically an alcopop. It's a Japanese alcopop. Is that a fair? A fair I think that's I, yeah. Yeah, like a it's not something to really celebrate. It's something soda? you know you're out drinking. You know, yeah. in my my university oh, so days, I would call Japan, it a road soda. You know, yeah, yeah. It's for, you buy they sell them in cans and convenience stores. Yeah, you know, they're everywhere. They're, they're, they're cheap, but, but I I do have to give Coca Cola a little bit of credit for the fact that as soon as that was announced, a lot of people around the world were googling. What the hell is shochu, right? That was that was some sort of inflection point in terms of that just knowledge getting into people's heads. And I could I could give Brewdog a little bit of that credit okay. because they cause a lot of people to go, wait, what the hell is shochu? You know, yeah. Why is this called it? What is a shochu? Now, is it a Hongkak shochu? No, hell no, in in no way, shape, or form. But could it be kind of like a kōrui shochu? I suppose it could. Yeah. Is this what you want people to be? discovering absolutely not absolutely no. okay so not, now this oh my is God. my if i had my druthers korui shochu would have another damn name all right okay. we wouldn't call it shochu at all korui would just be korui or it would be i don't know what you call it yeah mm -hmm. i don't know what we're what we should call korui and these are large companies so i i'm probably start okay. gonna start to get hate mail as, as soon as this is or something Spiritsu, yeah <laughs> yeah but it's slightly alarming isn't it that a big company like that well let, let's just make it clear we're not openly criticizing them on on this show and we're not saying this is a bad thing or a good thing we're just a little bit you know perhaps we need to know more about the product anyway um but it's just like you know there are definitely good outcomes negative outcomes and positive outcomes from this sure and sure and i think yeah you're absolutely right transparency is is basically the key mm -hmm. if you're if you're just open about how you make it and the ingredients involved the process then fine we can we can decide how we feel about it and i'm reserving my comments until I, I taste the drink and I, Fair I, I know what it tastes like. But uh, if I make a parallel with the, with the sake industry, the Nihon tree industry, um, while I must say, I mean, personally, I was kind of reserved initially with uh, sake brewing initiatives overseas for a similar reason. I mean, mm -hmm. you, you call it sake, but how close is it to Nihon Shu? Sure. Uh, as we know it and as we love it. I, I mean, my personal opinion has evolved because I, I see uh, the positive impact that it um, has in the industry about uh, getting um, media coverage um, and sake, overseas sake lovers to 
want to try something different and, and talk about it and uh, and and it creates some tourism around sake as well um, not near Honshu but sake mm -hmm. um, so uh, I'd like to give it a I, chance I was the same as you when that first sort of started happening I was really worried about I was worried about probably sake being imported overseas more than anything. I thought that might struggle, you know, mm -hmm. that might become competition. For, but I, it's nothing to worry about because these places are so small, the volume is so small, they're never going to be trouble, mm -hmm. you know, the, the breweries exporting. To, I Probably the breweries already realized this, you know, so I was just being hope so. ignorant. But um, yeah, I, I'm, I was like you. Yeah, I was a little bit worried about it to begin with, but I think it's been nothing but positive for the industry actually and it's actually helping to sell sake here in japan sure it's That's renewing point. the love interesting yeah. for sake among japanese people yeah. to sure. see their beverage being made overseas with such love and passion right because you know, there have been a lot of programs on japanese tv that have kind of uh caught some of these brewers coming over to japan at the airport and actually kind of joined them going around japan and seen their kind of you know journey around japan and, and then mm -hmm. gone back so there was one that actually went back to a brewery in spain and then saw them making the sake over in spain and this was all on japanese tv and oh, i think wow. it's great that, yeah mm -hmm. okay you know the people are seeing i that think there's a certain sense of pride that is brought to japanese people traveling outside when they see something that they associate their national identity with like sake sure. being made outside of japan yeah um like when i was working brewing at zenkuro in new zealand so many japanese tourists would come be amazed by the fact that you know he and i were hand making this thing called sake and they would pick up a couple of bottles to take home and i'm like you know us being the new kids on the block and ever so humble we were like oh no don't do that you know D these are way more expensive than some of the bestest stuff you can get back home you know right, they've right, got right. centuries of history behind and the brewing knowledge and we're just you know yeah sure it's like our third year brewing <laughs> um, but they're like no this is great um, um admittedly it's quite different in character um, mm -hmm. to a lot of sake or nihonshu made in Japan, but mm -hmm. they just love the fact that this new sort of attempts are being made. Right. Um, and yeah, like yeah, keeping I can... the culture alive. Yeah they're, yeah, they're all about that. Absolutely. And the breweries have been really supportive. You know, a lot of the big breweries have gone over to these breweries overseas and actually given them advice, given them tips and, yeah, you know, that's... And, and learn some things as well, I think, in the sure. process that they can sure. take back home and try themselves. Mm. I want to get back to the mixology yes, point yeah, that you yeah. you started at the beginning yeah. of this thing. Uh, you know, mixology and and it's as uh, we had said, it's kind of a fortuitous time to be in the shochu game, especially if you're into the gossip and the the who's and what's and the and all the action. And one of the big action points is SG Shochu, mm -hmm. um, the Shingo Gokang series. Yeah. yeah. I must say, I've got to try the product. Sure. I haven't yet, uh -huh. but the, the packaging really got me excited when I saw the it. The packaging is really cool. Those designs, they kind of link together when you put them side by side. There's a, there's a, they, they look really, re they have, they have gravitas and they're, they're very well designed, uh, beautiful bottles. They're kind of squat brown apothecary style plug, plug on top bottles and there's a rice, barley, and a sweet potato in this SG Shochu lineup. And I went to the, we went to the, the release party at uh, Meiji Kinenkan, a very, very ritzy place uh, in the middle of Tokyo. Mm -hmm. 
and they did this highly scripted, um, very well-programmed release for these three new shochu. And they, they teamed up with three rather, lar rather large distil distilleries. The rice shochu is made by Takahashi in, um, in Kumamoto. They make shiro, which is the biggest selling rice shochu in the country. Then they teamed up with uh, Satsuma Shuzo in Kagoshima, uh, the makers of Shiranami. And then they are working with uh, Sanwa Shurui, the makers of Ichiko, for their barley shochu. And they made three very fragrant, high proof, high proof being between 37 and, and maybe 42% alcohol, um, with, of course, the sweet potato being on the low side because it has less starch to convert into glucose and therefore less alcohol. But they presented throughout the, this event these three different cocktails because Shingo Gokan is a world-famous bartender. If you haven't heard of him, look him up. Go to his bar in Shibuya, uh, SG Club. It's absolutely phenomenal. And they did their rice shochu, and I gave you these recipes uh, so you can look at them real quick, but the, the rice one was called Tomato no Ki, and it was uh, rice shochu, then some type, I don't know what they did to that tomato, but it definitely brought the flavor out. Flour and then some type of sap from a tree. And I'm not exactly sure what it was. Like maple syrup? I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not entirely sure. They didn't, they didn't explain. I only have a picture of the menu and that's all the information that I have. Mm. Now my favorite was the sweet potato cocktail, which they called uh, Boronagasawa. Meaning? And... Boron <laughs> Nagasawa is—it's a riff on somebody's name, I believe. I don't know the story, but it was sweet potato shochu, pineapple, coconut, and this is what got me—red wine. And I don't know why I never thought of pairing sweet sweet potato shochu and red wine because when you think about it, it's like, oh, that actually could work, and it does work. It does work very well. So that was my favorite by far. And then the third one was the Oedo Oedo banana. Mm. and barley shochu, banana, cacao, and meeting. And that was also very nice. Um, and then, of course, they had a bar at the back, which you could just go up at any time and have any of those three new shochu products any way you wanted them. So I drank a lot of Oyuwadi, as you can probably imagine. And it was, it was great. And this is a lot of fun because now we have this really well-known bartender, a guy who won Bartender of the Year in the Bacardi world championships back in like two thousand less than 10 years ago now he's really put it he's putting his name and his energy and his resources behind this line of shochu which is going to get on everybody every other bartender's radar which i think is fantastic mm. so uh they these are not being privately distributed by sg club so you can get them at i believe at kind of finer bottle shops they're they're in the three thousand yen range per bottle oh. and uh yeah, so they are available now um, and definitely worth checking out, I'd say. Just out of curiosity, what's the industry sentiment on shochu being actively used in mixed drinks? They mixed are confused. Mixed as in like not, they not are, mizuari, not oyuari. Right, right, in a cocktail, right? Right. Yeah, they, they, they you know, if, if, we, if you had asked me that question 20 years ago, they'd be like, why would you do that? Right? Now, the, the attitude is more of like, I don't know how to do that, but I'm interested in learning how it might be done. So there's a lot of interest and curiosity about cocktails now. And, and therefore, it's a lot easier to approach a shochu maker 
and say, we want to try and make a cocktail with your drink. What do you think? And they'll be like, oh, I don't know how to do that, but I'm interested. That, that The attitude has shifted, I'd say. So these days there's receptivity to it. They, they just don't, they don't necessarily know how to participate from the start. Actually, if you go through the list of our podcasts, you will find a few interviews from mixologists right. because yeah. the GSS has done They've a lot done to bring, yeah. to bring uh, overseas bartenders and mixologists mm -hmm. to Japan, going around Kyushu and Okinawa, I think, mm -hmm. um, to discover the drink and uh, think about the future of uh, Japanese shochu and awamori in cocktails. How do, how, what's the general reception to these? I mean... All the interviews we have, we've, I've, I participated too. Uh, people were enthusiastic mm. about it. Yeah, I mean, by the flavors, the complexity, um, the balance, mm -hmm. and yeah, with pretty work and research to do to, sure. to find the right yeah. cocktails. But um, the response has been really, really good. That's my judgment, at least. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I've I've noticed when I get some shochu in front of a mix a bartender. And they, they sip it, and you can immediately see the, the wheels turning. They're like, I'm going to win a competition with this, you know, because <laughs> nobody else is going to have this brand, and I'm going to be able to do something with it. So they, yeah. yeah. There was a, there's a cocktail competition, Spirited Away, that's uh, a really interesting collaboration. No, <laughs> no honestly. Yep, in New, in New York. And it's a, it, the cool thing about it, despite misgivings about the name, is the fact that it's a bunch of distributors working together. So it's a bunch of competing distributors. I think each of the distributors in New York put two of their brands forward to be chosen for, at will by, by uh, the different contestants. So it was completely egalitarian. And I think there were two rounds of, of uh, the competition. And then the two winners were flown over here for a tour last oh, year. The two, yes. I was fortunate enough to meet both of them when they swung through Tokyo. We had a good time. Uh, there is, I mean, when I asked them, you know, why did you enter the competition? One of them said, oh, cause I'm, I'm actually quite interested in shochu. And the other one was like, well, my boss made me. <laughs> so, you know, there's that, but, uh, you know, little by little we're gaining, you know, people are starting to know what shochu is there. They've heard of it anyway. I guess that's a start. And, uh, yeah. It doesn't make a, it doesn't make a an appearance so much in films does it I, I, yet, I, I no. would say because probably most people just think sake is the catch well, sure it is the absolutely catch, but it, absolutely it's mostly sake isn't it mm -hmm. really you, you never i don't think it, do you have any films that i have never seen shochu appear in a in a, in no. a non-japanese film no there you go if you know any right so we need some product placement <laughs> listeners, <laughs> got, listeners right into us do anybody you know got any? five million dollars yeah. i'm sure we can get it in a hollywood yeah. film soon are there any Hollywood films where Shochu makes an appearance? Write in, let us know. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for this episode of Sake on Air. Thank you, everybody, for your, your energy and your thoughts. Thanks for your insight. I mean, very yeah, useful and many, many, many ideas. I mean, visits and products to taste. Good. Um, yeah, please, please let me know how they go. If you go to Hisaka, sure. let me know. Uh, sure. I'll, I'll meet you there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Please take a moment to, of course, review. It's very helpful if you rate us on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you happen to be enjoying this show on. And please feel free to send your questions and comments to questions at sakeonair.com. Or you can just add us at sakeonair on either Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. You can listen to the show on YouTube as well. 
And there are more Sake on Air podcasts coming up soon. We plan to have one ready every couple of weeks, so please keep checking back. And until then, kanpai. Sake on Air is made possible with the generous support of the Japan Sake and Shochu Makers Association and is broadcast from the Japan Sake and Shochu Information Center in Tokyo. The show is a co production between Export Japan and Potsuke Productions with editing and sound production by Frank Walter. Thanks, Frank. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.